Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to the World Cricket Show live from Barbados with me, Adam Bayfield, and Tony Kerr. Hey. Do you want to set the scene for us, Tony? Where are we recording tonight? Uh, yeah, we're just on uh, a little patio area outside our sort of villa sort of slash maisonette. <laughs> maisonette, yeah. Sl- slightly uh, inland, just just maybe, I don't know, a couple of minutes from the beach. We've just been on the beach all day. Mm. It's been a tough one. Uh, we've both got a bank spear in front of us and there's a fairly strong smell of mosquito repellent as well. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy in the air. You uh, almost choked to death before because you uh, overdid it on the mozzie spray, but hopefully you're all kitted out now. Hey, I'm just going to keep applying. We've been on the beach all day, as you say, and uh, we bumped into a cricketing luminary down there. <laughs> Ed Smith was on the beach today. We did say before we came away that we were going to doorstop some of these ECB types, people around the squad, maybe Trevor Bayliss. We got the opportunity to doorstep, doorstop, doorstep, doorstop, to doorstep Ed Smith today. Uh, but as we predicted, we were just like, oh, Ed, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. oh lovely to meet you. Yeah. How oh. long are you up for, Ed? Yeah. <laughs> you maybe had a good time out here, Ed. Yeah. No, it's good. Oh, yeah, we've yeah, really bro. enjoyed the cricket and everything you do with the England team, we think it's great. Well, actually, I didn't even speak to him at all. To be fair to me, I didn't. Yeah, you bottled I, it completely. I, to be fair to me, I completely bottled it. Uh, whereas you, you did have a bit of a chat with him, didn't you? I just don't, yeah, I don't think we'd make great uh, kind of confrontative. Is that a word? Uh, no, confrontational. Confrontational. You can cut that. Uh, <laughs> probably, I probably won't. I don't cut think that. we'd make yeah good sort of confrontational. Why don't I think confrontative as a word? <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long day. Too many it's been a lot of banks. Uh, yeah, sort of confrontational in your face. Yeah, door stepping. Poli- you know, yeah. political kind of journalist. Michael Crick, your favourite guy. Yeah, we're, we're way too accommodating and polite, I think, for that. Uh, but no, it's been fun, actually, hasn't it? It's been like, it kind of feels a bit like Davos for cricket out here. You know, every every place you go, there's some, yeah, there's some cricket bod there. <laughs> yeah. Kind of just enjoying themselves. Probably Ed Smith probably flew in on a private jet, didn't he? You know, pontificating about the hundred on the beach. Yeah, you go out to lunch and Gareth Batty's just drinking a milkshake or something. It's, <laughs> they're everywhere. We, do, we talked before on the podcast about the Waboba the ball that bounces on water, a company that steadfastly refuses to sponsor us despite our numerous uh, begging entreaties. But um, basically the whole holiday has just been us throwing the Waboba around to the eternal delight of your girlfriend. And um, yeah, we were in the sea today chucking the Waboba about and then we saw Ed Smith, you had that little chat with him and then I think we were like trying to impress him yeah we were trying to get in ed's <laughs> yeah. face just to be like just diving catches kind yeah. of yeah hoping for an outrageous call up for the third odi which would prolong our holiday but i'm not sure it went that well i think we just buckled under the pressure but we've you know there's been some pretty outrageous waboba going on in this holiday but uh not when ed was watching well actually he wasn't watching very much he was playing cricket on the beach with his son he was in my eyeline as we played waboba you couldn't see him and he didn't look at all. And you were pulling off some pretty good catches when he literally just turned his head. The whole thing took two seconds. 
quite hard to replicate on a podcast. But he turned his head at the moment that you dropped an absolute dolly and he just went, and then, <laughs> and then just turned back to his, uh, his cricket game with his son. Yeah, I was getting so, shown up by uh, someone who was about knee high. Yeah, your one big moment, Tone, your one chance to impress the chairman of selectors well, this is it. even England if i go and you know bang turn after turn this summer i think you know it's first impressions isn't it and i just don't think i just don't think ed smith likes me as a cricketer <laughs> which is a real shame yeah uh, but anyway we're not really here to talk about Wobobo. we're here to talk about the actual cricket that we went to watch at the kensington oval yesterday as we're recording this on friday um the second odi between west indies and england uh, England, of course, you'll probably remember from our previous podcast and, you know, the news, won that first game with a record run chase chasing down 360. So that was a pretty extraordinary game. And it was another very entertaining game on Friday. Uh, West Indies not managing to post as big a score as two days before. This time, just, in quotes, 289 for six, as we were saying at the time tone. You know, the last time we were here 12 years ago, that would have been a, a serious score, but... But we felt, I think, at the halfway stage, we, we felt that England would, would stroll that. Um, Shimmer on Hetmeyer, 104 not out from 83 balls, uh, the the biggest contribution there. Um, but England stuttered at the beginning. Roy and Bairstow both out cheaply. Bairstow out for a golden duck. And then they were 60 for three when Joe Root was out. But with Morgan and Stokes going well, they both made 70s. Um, again, we thought that England were... <laughs> We're going to ease to that target, but Sheldon Cottrell with five wickets and Jason Holder with three wickets uh, undid England's middle and lower order, and they were eventually all out for 263 to give West Indies a, a pretty remarkable victory by 26 runs. So, Tame, what did you what did you make of this of all of this yesterday? Do you remember? What can much I remember of it? It's <laughs> more to the point. Yeah, the reason we didn't the reason this podcast is up a little bit later. Uh, than than the others have been is because we've had to record 24 hours afterwards because uh, you were a little worse for wear yesterday. I wouldn't say that. Oh, I was absolutely fine, but I just, you know, there was you know, a fair amount of wine and beer to be consumed and I did my damnedest to consume it. So, yeah. You kept making that point yesterday as well that you were absolutely fine. <laughs> you were, right. You were extremely greased by the end of the night. I was extremely fine. And you were going, guys, I'm fine. We're like, Tane, it's okay. We're going to be home soon. Guys, I'm absolutely fine. <laughs> I don't think you were fine. Well, then we went down to the uh, Oysters fish fry, didn't we, after uh, after the close? We'll get onto the cricket in a moment. Uh, bumped into someone from Guernsey, which is always nice. Can never get away from them. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it was a great game, wasn't it? It was... Uh, we, we waxed lyrical about England after the first match, uh, and it was, for what was a relatively close finish in the end, an unbelievably and remarkably unremarkable run chase uh, this one as well as you say threatened to me didn't it but uh, in full credit to the West Indies uh, they really got the, the fans going it was a, a brilliant atmosphere towards the end uh, Cottrell picking up a couple of wickets in his first couple of overs and he was on brilliant form and I think you know his celebration uh, just kind of I think got everyone going a bit uh, it, it sort of did a you know if you haven't seen it it's quite a fantastic celebration, actually. But yeah, he would kind of just turn and start mar- like doing a sort of military march, and then a couple of strides later, do a sort of full—I don't know what you call it—a a proper full salute, yeah, with the big like leg slammed on the ground and stuff, and then a sort of throws himself back. Yeah, very exaggerated <laughs> yeah. salute. Yeah, it was uh, great. Which is not what you want to see when you've just been uh, been dismissed, is it? Really, no. that would wind you up as the <laughs> batsman. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he was uh, he was really good. 
but you know, I don't think you'd be too, you can't be too critical of England, and, and why would you be? And I think you're going to be possible. Or, no, you're not going to be critical, but you're going to raise a few, maybe a, a couple of pangs of concern. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, I don't think you can be too harsh on England. You know, that Western has won that match, maybe with, with a bit of fortune in the end, uh, and and you know, and just and and won through and, and did what they needed to do, do to win. For England, you know, it was again, it was looking like a, a fairly comfortable run chase at one point. Uh, but the, the wickets came at crucial times. And in the end, yeah, it was a, a real thriller. I don't think I am going to be critical of England particularly. I mean, I suppose you could make a strong case that we might have got a bit carried away on the, the podcast we did the other night where we were basically saying, like, well, there's no total that England can't chase down, which is still true in the sense that there's no, I don't, I'm not sure there's really a total that England aren't capable of chasing down. But we perhaps ought to have made clearer that that doesn't mean that they're going to chase down those kind of totals every time or even a total like this every time. Like They can't win every ODI. And that is the thing to keep in mind going into the World Cup is that while this is undoubtedly the best England ODI team ever and arguably one of the best ODI teams ever, at least on paper, um, and yeah, they're, they're clear favourites for the World Cup, it's totally unrealistic to think that they're going to win every game because they're not superhuman. And if this game had happened in the World Cup semi-final, then that's the end of the story. I mean, you'd still, it, it should be a very entertaining series now, but you'd still back England to win the series from here. And you'd think that this team are going to win most ODI series that they play, but they're not going to win them all 5-0. And ultimately, the World Cup does come down to knockout games where it's just a one-off thing and, and really anything could happen. So yeah. They're the favourites for the World Cup, but that does by no means does that mean that they're definitely going to win it. It will be astonishing if if England don't reach the semi-finals. Just the way the tournament's geared up, mm. you know, they're, they're going to play nine matches over nine matches. If they've not done enough to finish in the top four, it'll be remarkable. But then from there, you just go straight into a semi-final, as you say, and a final. Uh, yeah, at which point it is it's less certain. Uh, but yeah, I mean, despite that, they did a lot of impressive things. You know, the fielding was excellent, wasn't it? Yes, there were a couple of quite brilliant runouts. Uh, Rashid with a great run out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you kind of felt like, you know, we'd watched West Indies probably leave about 20 or 30 runs out there on Wednesday. And, and you felt, you know, just as they were sort of getting going or just as they were looking like they might put on, a, you know, a, another good total, maybe not, maybe short of what we thought uh, would be a sort of match winning total, they'd get checked by a great piece of, of fielding by England. So that was really impressive. <laughs> maybe some of the, the same... I don't know if mistakes is the right word, but you know, Moeen again went for went for a few runs, didn't he? When he when he came into the attack, and he did so quite early. But for West Indies, Hetmeyer, you know, he was the the you know, as much as Cottrell uh, took the wickets in the end. You know, it was Hetmeyer's uh, hundred that that set the win up, and he batted absolutely brilliant. You loved seeing him, you know, in the test uh, the test series, and he he was brilliant there. And you know, such an exciting player for for West Indies fans to get behind. He's such a great batsman to watch, isn't he? He's really thrilling batsman to watch and it was fantastic to see him score some runs yesterday and go on and score 100 in a floppy hat as well in a floppy hat a lot of the time which which as we said before does yeah should you should add a 20 or 30 runs to to the batsman's score i think just for that reason um and he did dig them out of a hole a little bit as well because you know we felt that 290 might not be enough turned out to be enough but it could have been a lot less than that as well because they were at one point they were struggling a bit when they were 121 for three um, at the halfway stage. Yeah, so it was fantastic to see Hetmeyer score some runs. And it was just it was just a very enjoyable game, wasn't it? Like, I, I wasn't particularly 
you know, I wasn't especially furious with England <laughs> as as uh, as I might have as I might have been about the tests. Like I think it was um, it wasn't a bad performance from them by any means. They obviously they lost their way in the batting in that in that run chase. But I think West, as you said, West Indies won it. It was good bowling from Holder and Cottrell, and it was just really good to see the crowd getting involved, like really getting behind Jason Holder, who's such a, a local hero here. Um, yeah, it was just, it was really enjoyable. I think you made the point at the time that it was a bit of a shame that it actually didn't quite go down to the wire. It would have been nice to have seen Plunkett a couple of sixes or something. So it ended up being a real kind of last over or, you know, less than 10 run finish. In the end, it, it did, you know, West Indies wrapped it up quite quickly in the end. But for a time there, it was getting really quite tense. And it, that, that was a, a, made it a great game to, to have been at. You want to see those kind of finishes, don't you? And yeah, yeah they did. It was almost like England maybe just could have done with one more wicket yeah. in hand at the end there. Uh, but when yeah, Plunkett was dismissed, uh, you know, at the end, he, he kind of con- yeah, made contact with the ball and we thought it was going to sail out and it just sort of fell very nicely into the, the fielder's hands. I don't know who caught it. And yeah, there we go, game over. But yeah, I mean, as you say, it really does set it up nicely for the rest of the series. They're going to have, yeah, they're in for a, a couple of good games in Grenada. No, I, I don't think I. I don't know why you thought I was going to be really critical of England. So I think, you, well, I don't know. Was I? Well, I, maybe it's was just was, seeing Ed Smith sort of riled you a bit. I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought you might be. Uh, yeah, I thought that might get you going. Possibly. It's great to meet you, Ed. Really, really like what you've done with the England team. No, I, I, I was actually thinking that I may have been a bit harsh on England on the previous pod. You know, we obviously talked kind of gushingly about the batting, but you know, but that I maybe said something a bit too negative about England's bowling attack because I, I by no means think that it's bad it's just compared to the batting it is the weaker suit but it's more than competent isn't it and I, I felt that actually yesterday they they bowled pretty well I mean there, there was one over where Stokes missed his length a bit and went for 18 or 19 but otherwise I thought at the death they bowled quite well and it was just some great batting from Hetmeyer uh, who took it away from them Rashid bowled well. Uh, there's maybe a concern over Moeen. There's still a concern over Plunkett, although he came back quite well yesterday. But like it is, it's a very decent attack, isn't it? In in another era, we would be singing the praises of that attack, I think. But just next to the batting, it is you know, it, it is the area where you'd you'd have the concerns. And when you look at the players, you know, in and around the squad who are, who are here in the West Indies, you know, if any one of those, if anyone in that team should fall out of form between now and the World Cup. And there isn't a long time to go, of course, or, or there's an injury. You know, you've got Alex Hales running drinks out and you think, again, in any other era, he would have been the first mm. name on the team sheet and the, and the kind of the superstar leading the line. And, you know, he can't get in the, the team, which is, you know, so if and when he gets his chance, he's going to be chomping at the bit. David Willey as well. He's, he's been a like, brilliant uh, asset for England in, in limited overs cricket, hasn't he, over the last few years. Uh, so, that, yeah, there's, there's good stuff there. Neither of them looked particularly thrilled about. No, I, I wouldn't be being, about being tasked with uh, running the drinks out. There's some very grumpy expressions. Yes. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One thing about the batting maybe that we could talk about is, you know, we've obviously been talking about it as a kind of uh, era-defining batting lineup, world historical, uh, you know, all-time great batting lineup potentially, but... I think you you were wondering yesterday whether perhaps the the batting order is something that could be looked at specifically whether Joss Butler ought to be batting higher than he is. He obviously comes in at number six at the moment. I mean, what what do you think about that? Do you want to elaborate on that first thing? I I mean, I I guess, you know, you'd say probably that Butler's the most, you know, it's an embarrassment in riches, but Butler's possibly the most destructive batsman in that that lineup. And uh, yeah, for me, I think he is probably coming in a bit too low down you know we've not seen an awful lot of, of him you know we, we, we didn't see any of him in in the first match and it was a very comfortable chase uh and, and yeah he you know he made a useful contribution yesterday albeit you know he, he couldn't get England over the line maybe he could play a little bit higher up you know give him a bit more time but then it, you know I guess if, if the the guys ahead of him are getting the job done then there's no issue is there so well, and also who would it be that you'd move down Roy Bairstow, Root, Morgan, Stokes. I think I'd have him above Stokes for one. And, you know, obviously Stokes is doing a lot of work with the ball. Mm. So, I, I don't, you know, as good as Stokes is, I don't know that he's, you know, you couldn't say he's a better one-day batsman than Butler. No, so. I'd probably agree with that. Although yesterday he did actually bat very well. Mm. Um, it was a very different innings to the one that he played on Wednesday where he, just, he almost couldn't lay a bat on it. He was really fluent yesterday. But yeah, I think I think I would agree with you that the Butler ought to come in ahead of Stokes. But I'm not sure. I wouldn't be changing. I mean, obviously Roy and Best over there at the top. Root at three, I think, just works really well. You know, comes in. He comes in. He's busy, isn't he? Root, and he <laughs> can play that anchor role. And I, I just think him at three works really well. And Morgan's now settled in at four. And I, I think I think Butler, yeah, coming in in more of a finisher role does work well. I know what you mean. That it seems weird in a way that he is probably amongst a lot of very destructive bats and probably the most destructive and we've seen you know the his incredibly quick hundreds the fastest hundreds for England that he's hit in the past and you sort of want to make sure he has the opportunity to do that but I just think it's working at the moment it works yeah no I agree and Um, I guess the flip side to that is that you know if he can hit the hundred in 40 odd balls then you know he doesn't really need to be coming in till the last five to ten overs does he so I mean, they're all capable of it, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, well, I, I suppose why tinker? The, you know, you, yeah. there's no need to tinker off off the back of one defeat. Well, exactly. I, I, I don't think you really need to change it because it has been working. But one thing they could look at is like, could they have more flexibility if 
if Roy and Bester get off to an absolute flyer and you know the first wicket falls with 150, 160, 180 on the board, then maybe Butler could come in at three, slide Root down. Whereas if Johnny Bester's out first ball, you want Root coming out rather than the Butler, don't you? So yeah, they could look at having some flexibility there, but essentially I think it is a, it's a lineup that's working. So there's not really much need to, to tinker around with it. It's just started raining again, has it? Or was that the sprinklers? I don't know. If that was rain, it was the shortest shower. <laughs> well, they, they were pretty short showers in the Caribbean, but that was a, an especially short one. Well, I mean, I think that's about it in terms of the game yesterday. As we say, it does set up the series nicely now. Two games in Grenada. The third ADI is on Monday, which is the day I get home, Tone. So, uh, yeah, stick that on. Uh, doze on the sofa. It should be exciting from here on out. Uh, our time is up pretty tone, isn't it? I fly home tomorrow, you the following day. What a trip it's been. What what have you made of it all, of the, <laughs> of the cricket we've seen? Uh, no, I mean, we've been remarkably lucky, haven't we? Uh, the Test Series was, was a, a cracker, albeit you know, the, the results weren't that close in the end, but some you know magnificent performances. But yeah, I mean, kind of will remember for a long time, Wood spell in, in St. Lucia, uh, that was stunning. Root has scored a couple of hundreds while we've been out here. He suddenly looked in great touch as soon as we got here. Yeah. Uh, seeing Chris Cahill launch 12 sixes the other day was was pretty awesome. Hetmeyer's 100. Uh, Roy's 100. Yeah. yeah it's been, I think we've been, we've been lucky. We've seen some good stuff. Cultural celebrations. Yeah. And we've made this point several times before, but it is just a great experience watching cricket here as well, isn't it? It's been a little. It's a little different at the Kensington Oval to how it was in St Lucia, partly because I think there's just more people here for the ODIs. But it's it's marginally less relaxed than it was in St Lucia, but still pretty relaxed. Yeah, isn't it? it's a, it's a great it's a great way to watch sport. Great environment in which to watch sport. No, it's true. It's how all sports should be. You know, you can go for a swim in the morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you true. can do that in a lot of places, but you know, go for a swim in the morning. You turn up at the cricket. No one tells you where to go or where to stand or where to sit. Really. No one, none of the marshals really seem to, to care yeah. what you do. Uh, and yeah, it's all good. You get magnums delivered to your seat. <laughs> we went, well, this a few days ago, isn't it? We were in Solution. We went snorkeling at a little spot and you were, you got chatting with someone who was very taken with your full face mask, which I'm, I'm seeing a lot of at the moment. Yeah. Uh, the full face snorkel mask. Exactly. A guy was, was quite excited by it, but he also, he, he delivered sort of, I don't know, one of the finest recommendations for, for sort of life or, or like holidaying in the Caribbean that I've heard. Yes, his kind of motto for life that I'm now going to try and live by. Well, so he he was off snorkeling as well. And I said, oh, do you do a lot of snorkeling? And he said, uh, yeah, well, my wife's Australian. And I, I'm not sure, I think he was Italian maybe. But he said, yeah, my wife's Australian and uh, we lived out there for a while. And I, we did like six months by the Great Barrier Reef, went snorkeling every day. I was like, oh, wow, that, sound, that, that must have been pretty amazing. He was like, yeah, but it's amazing here too, you know? You're wet, you're safe, there's fish, life is beautiful. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm going to try and live by that from now on. I think next time, yeah, next time we come out to the Caribbean to watch cricket, which we will do, because we don't seem to go anywhere else to watch cricket, really. We do need to get to other places as yeah. well, maybe at some point. But yeah, we'll get some World Cricket Show t-shirts printed, I think, with that slogan on the back. <laughs> So yeah, the, this is the last podcast that we'll be bringing you from the Caribbean, uh, but we'll be back on our regular podcast schedule too. And we'll lots to talk about, by the way, as well. Sri Lanka winning in South Africa. 
Yeah, absolutely. We mentioned Kusal Pereira last time. Well, Sri Lanka have only gone and won the second test as well to win that series. Uh, the first Asian team ever to win in South Africa. One of the biggest upsets in test cricket history, I think. But yes, as I say, we'll be back on our regular podcast schedule soon. Uh, but we also, in the interim, are going to be bringing you uh, a very special episode of the podcast. Is that a tease, Tony? That's a little tease, yeah. A tease? I think it's fair to say that the World Cricket Show peaked that afternoon. We <laughs> yeah. recorded that. Both in terms, you know, we, we, we were able to catch up with a couple of West Indian cricket legends uh, in the truest form of the word. So that, you know, that was, you know, that's, it was extremely special to, to speak to them. But also just the setting, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be back in my spare room surrounded by uh, a mixture of clean and dirty underwear and other other bits of clothing it'll be cold i'd always assume they were all clean but (laughs) now now you think different uh yeah it'll be be cold you'll have eaten just cereal nothing but cereal (laughs) for sort of four days straight uh but yeah this was yeah a really nice restaurant in spatestown spitestown a really nice restaurant in spitestown spatestown what is it it's it's spitestown for god's sake another lovely restaurant in barbados (laughs) uh overlooking an amazing beach with a couple of glasses of white wine, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there was a waiter bringing you wine during the podcast. It's is going to be a pretty stark juxtaposition <laughs> yeah. to when you're nibbling on your frozen Kit Kat in your spare room next week. Yeah, you can look forward to that coming pretty soon. But yeah, that's it. I, I hope everyone's enjoyed these podcasts from the Caribbean. We're going to have to do it again, Tone. <laughs> Uh, whether it's an England tour or we just come to the Caribbean and just record, just watch cricket on TV, watch the Sky Sports coverage of England's uh, tour to Bangladesh or something, and uh, and do some podcasts about it. Uh, I think, yeah, should we? I think possibly we ought to just move operations out here. What do you think? Yeah, done, deal. Uh, well, thanks for a great holiday, Tone. I hope everyone's enjoyed the podcasts, and we'll be back soon. From all of us here, <laughs> goodbye. See ya. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.